welcome to episode number 183 of the Apple Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Head. This podcast is brought to you in part by BetterHelp.com. Get affordable private online counseling anytime, anywhere. Talk with a licensed professional therapist online. And you can start a seven-day free trial with the code word APOLOG at checkout when you go to betterhelp.com slash APOLOG. It's the time of the year, everybody. And we were just seeing now it's starting to warm up, but still it's a time when people need to get a little bit of help and they're, they're a little embarrassed to go speak to people. But this way is the best way to do it. Okay, everybody? So please, please, please go get therapied up. I'd like to thank all the people shopping on Amazon, and you can help the show out too by going to appalog.ca slash Amazon or appalog.ca slash US Amazon, or you can do it the old-fashioned way by going to appalog.ca and click off those banners located on the right side, locate your country, whether you're from Canada, United States, or UK. And every time you shop, you can bookmark those links and shop on Amazon and support the show when it costs you no extra money. If you want to help the show out on a monthly basis, go to patreon.com slash You can pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees, and you can cancel at any time. If you want to buy a t-shirt, they're going fast, go to applelog.ca slash shop. And there's also some music there. You can buy my old band, Foursquare's discography there for $20. That's 70-something songs. Go to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give it five stars, please, and a nice little review always helps out. You can like the show on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Pod and follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. Today on the show, I have Mr. Tom Anselmi of the band Slow. The band Slow put out a couple of records in the, in the mid-'80s to the late-'80s, and their last record they put out was called Against the Glass, and it's actually being reissued right now on vinyl. The band didn't really talk much, and Tom went on to start a band called Copyright, and then 20, 30 years go by, and all of a sudden, they're doing shows again. And for you Canadian Music Week people here in Toronto, they're playing at the Phoenix on May 9th, and I'm going to play one of their songs. And after not hearing Slow for so many years and then hearing Slow, I did notice that this song that I'm going to play, it sounds a lot like something you hear on the radio, which I thought was kind of neat. So... Here it is, Have Not Been the Same, off of the Against the Glass reissue by the band Slope.
And that was Have Not Been the Same by the band Slow. Check them out at the Phoenix May 9th, a part of Canadian Music Week's week-long festival here up in Toronto. Here he is, Tom Anselmi from his car in Los Angeles on the Apollon Podcast. It's, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think where we actually met. And it would have been in Vancouver because I used to work for SNFU in the mid-90s. Okay, yeah. So that's probably where we had run into each other at some point or another. Could be, yeah. And <laughs> something reminds me that there was a, do you remember a band called Mal Havoc? Mal Havoc. Yeah. Well, the name rings a bell, but no. Like an early 90s sort of shock rock. It was actually very skinny puppy-esque. Um, huh. but, um, James actually worked with, um, with Dave Ogilvy and I think we might've done like, cause I was doing sound for them. We might've done a show with copyright at that one point somewhere. I, okay. I yeah. don't remember. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's so funny listening to this, this EP, the slow EP, because the first song sounds anything like you'd hear it on the radio, like tomorrow it's. It's incredible. What's the first song on it? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Have Not Been the Same. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that, that song, uh, yeah, that, that was kind of, um, that was a good song. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, well, it's, it just sounds timeless now. And, and, and I was thinking about how things kind of go in circles, you know, and they kind of revolve around and then come back to uh, being not current, but it seems like people get into it again. You, well, you know, I think that um, I think in general, like the the first time that we were playing, we were really kind of already out of time. Yeah, I think that that was really um, you know, that was something that was pretty noticeable. You know, we weren't really a very current sounding band. You know, some people kind of thought that we sounded ahead of our time, um, but really, I think a lot of it is just that you know we were we were pretty wrapped up in a way of playing and in a, you know, style of music that had pretty much died by that point, you know? Um, and that was, you know, 30 years ago, mm -hmm. you know, so now or more 33 years ago or whatever. And now we're, um, you know, in a, in a place where we're really, you know, it's not only that it's, you know, mostly died. It's like, it's like literally no one is really doing it. And, and, you know, that's, that's kind of a, you know, an interesting thing is just kind of like, yeah, we're, you know, we're definitely not young, but to be playing the kind of shit that we play, we're very young, mm -hmm. you know, because, because really it's kind of like, I feel kind of like, uh, you know, remember that blues resurgence that happened in the eighties where it was like the blues brothers and then everyone was into blues and blues mm -hmm. was like, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan you know, being used to sell every product yeah. known to man. And it was kind of this whole you know, thing of this kind of steamy saxophone player in some swamp or something. And, you know, like, it's it's like, uh, and, you know, it's obviously that was mostly shit, you know, just terrible music for the most part. But all of a sudden you had John Lee Hooker, you know, headlining at the Commodore. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's a sort of the circular motion where people sort of reinvent what was invented years ago, but... It's always a new twist, you know. It's like it, it, they sort of put something a little bit into it. I mean, I remember, yeah, that blues, and also the um, what was it, the swing era in the early '90s. There was this big swing yeah. thing. 
Yeah. Everybody had like pants up to their waist, like past their up to, below their nipples, and like a pocket chain kind of, you know, and 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 suspenders, and that was that was a thing. I mean, and that sort of yeah. came in later. In then even like Stray Cats did something in in the early or mid '80s that sort of sort yeah. of started that thing. Yeah, early '80s. Yeah, I mean, I was I think about that quite a lot. Like I was thinking, uh, you know, about when Green Day happened which really blew my mind, you know, I, you know, it was one thing, okay, Nirvana, okay, like, I get it, the time is right, this is, you know, drawing on a lot of things that are proven commercially, so it doesn't surprise me that it's a big hit, you know, but, um, you know, when Green Day happened, and it basically just sounded like an early 80s hardcore band, uh, you know, from the, from, you know, from, you know, California, it reminded me of, like, Youth Brigade, especially Offspring actually reminded me of Youth Brigade, and all of a sudden this music was on the radio, kind of blew my mind it was like you know like oh wow this is just basically you know normal punk rock uh and it's on the radio now you know and um uh it's it's sort of like you know it seems like everything has kind of had this resurgence of interest you know every kind of rock music at one time or another but the thing is that that the core of the whole thing you know which is basically blues music really you know and which was what kind of you know the really great stuff was drawing on you know like iggy and the stooges and you know um you know a lot of a lot of this music really is about you know players um you know communicating in real time making you know split second decisions and and uh and you know listening right mm -hmm. and and i think that 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 is a really um that's something that is is much harder to understand now um, as a way of playing uh, in in the age of computers, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, where the means of production, the means of you know distribution, the means of performance have always have kind of suddenly been, you know, uh, sort of you know deflated into this one instrument, which is the computer, you know, and and um, uh, and that is. I mean, there's a lot of amazing aspects to that, but one of the things that it makes difficult is this idea of free time and people making, you know, decisions in real time, you know, because it, because ultimately as soon as you're using what is now the kind of, you know, standard of writing, production, et cetera, which is just really a laptop uh, or, you know, a computer, it's like, you are are suddenly having to make great efforts to leave things uncorrected, to leave things, you know, to leave time, you know, imperfect. It's like it becomes a decision you have to make rather than correction being a decision. Correction becomes something that you have to undo, you know, <laughs> and uh, and, I, and I think that that is really makes it fucking hard to play rock music, you know, because rock music and Pro Tools do not mix, <laughs> you know, that's just that's just reality yeah you know? yeah i find it i i like your point where you say to try and think about making it not perfect that yeah it, but but in fact that's not rock and roll at all i mean you're like it, it, when you when you cut things to, to to tape it was like it sounds and feels amazing and yeah that's what makes a good take and and i grew up sort of in the in the sort of late 80s started recording in the early 90s so i kind of had like five years of a sweet pocket of where it was like oh let's buy some tape go to a studio, record on 16 tracks, and then make the best thing we can. And then yeah. if it feels good, then people will gravitate to it. 
Yeah. And and yeah. there's this thing with the computers now and just with pop music in general. And I always find it really kind of neat how people, a mass of people can get into something really fast. And there's no real explanation to it, only that somehow it's a brain, not brainwashing, but everybody seems to be thinking a certain way. That, yeah. That's why like Nirvana, everybody was sick and tired of Guns N' Roses and they're sick and tired of stupid hair metal. And that's how Nirvana sort of became Nirvana as a revolt to that. But it was a very, you know, but everybody was thinking the same way. And totally. And you can't. I mean, a hit song also helps. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Totally. And, you know, Smells Like Teen Spirit is just like, you hear that and you're just like, what is this and where can I hear it again? You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I heard that song for the first time. I was, uh, you know, I was pretty fucked up. I had just, um, you know, left LA and, uh, and I was in Mexico just kind of traveling around, taking some time to escape from the situation, which was basically that our label, you know, and us weren't getting along. We were signed to Geffen. We couldn't get out of it. We'd, we'd been offered a different record deal and we were trying desperately to get off the label. And it ended up being, you know, that a lot of really, um, you know, audacious and ultimately, uh, ineffective moves were made in order to really piss the label off so they would let us go and um you know and i had just gone through this whole kind of drama you know really under the advice of my manager to try and get off the label and uh you know that's a tale for another time but <laughs> but i was you know pretty down in the mouth and i was in this uh in this um you know bar in mexico and i heard smells like teen spirit i came on the radio on the well i guess the dj played it actually <laughs> And it was loud and it was just kind of like, oh yeah, we're, you know, we just made this art rock record, you know, and it was just like, we're fucking doomed. You know, <laughs> it was out. We knew that they were, you know, their record was going to come out. We both had kind of had the same sort of signing, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, and, you know, I just heard it and I was just like, well, just forget it. You know, it's just <laughs> like, they're going to bury this so deep now, you know, because this, this is their, this is their act, you know, for ever what they wanted at that for point, their, yeah. you know, for rebellion, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Great song. Yeah. Well, I think Sloan got chewed up a lot by Geffen too, didn't they? In the, or before you Sloan got, Sloan actually got hired. Um, I mean, uh, hired yeah. signed by the same uh, guy that ended up with us, yeah. who was a really nice guy who had been, uh, you know, a mailroom guy and, and in typical old school, you know, record company fashion got promoted and was given us to play with as mm -hmm. his first project. And he signed Sloan later. But yeah. yeah. It's such a tricky, I mean, you make me, usually you say art music. I mean, it's, the, I mean, art and music is such a funky thing. You can't really, I mean, just like music business, it's sort of tough to put those two words together. But that's, that's unfortunately the beast we have to sort of work around uh, yeah. in, in this business. And I've met people that are completely like, switched off about the art part and i've met people who are so artistic that they can't understand how the business works sure and there's no like really like a right or a wrong to it but unfortunately the one that knows more about art than business is the one that kind of gets pushed aside and buried you know yeah i mean i think that you know you, you have to realize that like you know where where we were coming from, where I was coming from was just like no compromise. You know, that's what I was raised on. You know, it wasn't that I didn't understand. It was just that I did not, I was like, you know, just assumed 
that making the right decision artistically was the right decision, you know, and, and basically would just allow no compromise. And, and, you know, that, that was a stupid, a stupid attitude in retrospect, you know, of course, because ultimately those, um, small decisions, which really wouldn't have mattered at all, probably would have gone a long way towards sort of greasing the relationship. But at the end of the day, you know, Geffen, Geffen really just didn't know what to do with us. You know, they, they, they got sent in, you know, we, we got put into the studio thinking we were going to make a, you know, a, a grunge record mm -hmm. really, mm -hmm. you know, and then we made like, you know, very, a very strange record, you know, which really stands the test of time, but is not something that, you know, had any real hits on it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm proud of the record. Um, I, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm less interested in uh, in what I was interested in then, which was, you know, sort of pushing the artistic limits of what a rock, you know, band could be, you know, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. I have kind of almost no interest in now, you know. <laughs> Do you um, get, but as you get older, though, uh, as we get older, I mean, because we're both, well, I'm getting older. We're all getting older. Um, do you find that the... When I'm you, not getting old, man. I, <laughs> I, I don't even know what you're talking about. All I know, man, is that, like, did Picasso get old? You yeah. know, Picasso was like, you know, he's in his fucking 80s. He impregnated a, you know, a teenage virgin and then died suddenly. So he just, you know, he just, <laughs> he just lived it till the bitter end, you know. And then, and then when he died, was he old? Well, I don't know. You know, he wasn't like the guys that I was in high school with that I see in Home Depot. And they're like, Tom. And I'm like, what, what, who are you? You know, remember, grade 11, Mrs. What? And I'm like, no, man, I don't, who are you? Like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like, what, you went straight. Like, <laughs> No, I, I okay. Yeah, I take that back. Uh, <laughs> age is what you make it. But I mean, but people make better decisions as they get older. I mean, you mustn't. You know, that must be a. Yeah. You get wiser to the fact, or you don't get Sometimes, a yeah. bit more. You know, I mean, yeah. if if you get burnt, then you realize, oh, I'm not going to go near the fire as much. I mean. And you make better decisions or different decisions, and sometimes, ultimately, some people have that sort of. They always keep burning their hand by trying to, you know, do yeah, things. Yeah, and I, I think you know that's been um, that's a that's a great point in the sense that like you know um you really think when you're young and you know you're good that you can basically kind of rewrite the rule book you know or i did let's mm -hmm. put it that way mm -hmm. and i you know i don't really regret that because i did a lot of um i did a lot of good things and i probably would have died if i'd become you know hugely successful at that point um you know i had a really bad drug problem uh, I, uh, you know, I had, you know, just gone through untold fortunes, really. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I could have bought a house for the money I, I blew, you know what I mean? Like, Geffen really had a lot of money, and every time you turned around, there was more money. We had a huge manager, all of that. You know, but but one thing that I, I did learn, really, from all of it is just, you know, that you really don't get to choose when things align in a certain way, no. you know? So I've become a lot more grateful when I get given opportunities, when those opportunities are for me to, you know, be involved in something I care about deeply, like music, you know? Mm -hmm. it's, it's not, I've spent the last little bit kind of wondering, like, what the hell am I going to do exactly? Like, what's going to be kind of my way forward? I knew that I wanted to focus on, on, on uh, performing again. You know, I've been doing a lot of, like, you know, kind of art stuff and a lot of, um, you know, uh, just different stuff, you know, and, and I just have had the, 
the real feeling that I wanted to be on stage again, but I didn't know how, you know, and uh, this just kind of came out of the blue. And I think one of the big differences is, you know, is that I understand now, you know what I mean? I, I get it. It's like when things align in this way and there's offers and interest and people, you know, want to talk to you about what you're doing, you know, just like talking to you here today. It's like, it's like, it's fucking luck. You know what I mean? It's like when things like that line up like that, it's, it's luck. And then, you know, us playing together and having it just sound absolutely amazing. That's just luck too. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, it's like, you don't get to choose who it's going to sound good with. You know, yeah. I had no idea. I assumed it would be kind of like, you know, some dead studied thing that we would have to learn these songs and, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, it was a, it was a way of making some money, you know, in a short time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that really changed after we started playing music together, you know, because it just is a really phenomenal band, yeah. you know? Yeah, it and, was, and I real, and I and I became very grateful for that, you know, as an opportunity, you know, just that to be able to sing in a great band, you know. Yeah, yeah. and so you've you've is it all original members doing this slow thing? That's it's coming. Oh out yeah, to Canadian music, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the ninth, we're playing in the Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh yeah it's it is it's it's all original members plus there's you know backup singers now yeah. saxophone it's like a full on rock and roll review you know yeah like when I when I saw James Brown for the last time and I was with my friend who's a little bit younger and I just said you know drink this in because there's not going to be another chance to see anything like this mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know and I would just say like that this is kind of like that too you know mm -hmm. this is like really this is an old style rock and roll review um but with kind of like a you know more of a punk um attitude in it you know yeah there's there's that's a special thing yeah you know? and there's <laughs> the relationship you've carried on with with past members that are still i mean you can still have conversations with people that you've known for so many years like i put a record out 15 years ago and i'm talking to the guys now about actually doing something about it because it came out 15 years ago i mean it's as old as my son you know, yeah. so I'm like, yeah. we should get together and talk about this because we we haven't seen each other in so many years, and and I just re, re reconnected with some with uh with our drummer friend, and it was like the exact same person, you know, and that's yeah. comforting, and 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 it's good to know, and it, you know, it, it, who knows all the other stuff that happened in the past is like it doesn't make any more difference. It doesn't make a difference anymore because you have right. that history of, of making good music. I mean, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I hadn't spoken to Ziggy, um, in over 20 years and, uh, you know, I, everywhere I went, I would hear about how much Ziggy hated my guts, you know, <laughs> like literally it would be like, Oh yeah, I just saw Ziggy, man. That guy really hates you. Still. You know, it's like, okay. Yeah. Still hates me. Okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah. You yeah. know? And then I just called him up. I was like, Hey man, it's Tom. What are you doing? And he's like, just hanging out. And I'm like, yeah, there's, I know you hate my guts. He's like, Nope. I don't hate your guts. <laughs> uh, uh, oh yeah. Okay. When did that change? Just now. Oh. You know? And I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, there's this slow reunion. He's like, yeah, I'm available. You know. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was nice like that. You know, it just the hatchets got buried pretty quick. Definitely. I mean, time heals. That's for sure. You know. You know. You forget about all those arguments you had. 
yeah. wherever you were, and it becomes a oh, okay, well, that's nothing because you got the age behind you. That's another reason to get older. You forget about old stuff that you you know that happened when you were twenty. I mean, do you still? Yeah, I mean, I I, I haven't forgotten him holding a butcher knife to my throat, but yeah. other than that, you know, it's that'd, it's pretty. That'd be tough to forget. Pretty much bygones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not actually kidding, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> But but you learn to forgive easier because you know I'm still here. You're still whatever twenty years ago. Yeah, I, I can let that you know let that slide. Um, well, and, you also learn not you also learn not to provoke someone to the point where they want to stab you. <laughs> yeah, I've had people throw beer bottles in my head too, and uh, I mean it's it's a it's a thing that you. Um, as a twenty-year-old, I mean, as you, you know, because I sort of started a little bit later, like to actually start touring in Europe and stuff as a thirty-year-old, and um, I had toured for like ex exclusively with bands as a sound guy, so I kind of knew how to tour, but I brought these guys out who didn't know how to tour. So for me, it was like there was this sort of like touring with us and a few was a tough love thing. Like if you fucked up, you fucked up bad, and you were yeah. <laughs> you were put in the back of the van and you know not spoken to for a while. <laughs> you were punished, and. Um, so I sort of put that, put that mentality in, into the road, and and it, the the band didn't like it much. They were they were thought I was a bit of a taskmaster. I mean, yeah. were you a taskmaster or a rule breaker? You know, man, I I I don't know. I I mean, I just you know, I you know, I I definitely am you know a leader within the band and always have been. But you know, leading them to uh, you know doom. Uh, so. You know, it, it, it's 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 kind of like, you know, for me, rock and roll is just like really about um, a unified front of kind of defiance, you know, and at the same time, you know, an energetic um, thrust that comes from kind of some kind of greater consciousness that that you know you're serving as as sort of one of the people you know otherwise it would just be like you know bands would get someone else to play or whatever it's like it's very rare that a band survives even like one or two people changing you yeah. know oh, because yeah. it's just all chemistry you know it's it really is it's yeah. not it's not about who's the best it's not it's about who's the best in that group for <laughs> that group you know yeah well, that's what people say. Ask uh, Paul McCartney if Ringo was the best drummer in the in the world, and he said he wasn't even the best drummer in the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's. I mean, that says everything. I mean, you have yeah. to. Um, I I found as I got older that I started forgiving more for people because they were cool people as opposed to being the best at what they did. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I think Ringo's the best. So it's, yeah. For me it's, <laughs> uh. But I can't. I don't know which parts Paul played and which part parts Ringo played. I don't even know. A lot of the White Album it was Paul, because Ringo yeah. quit for a while, took off to uh, somewhere in Northern Africa or something. <laughs> Said, "Right, I quit." And then he's like, "Please come back." Um, right. You're always a Beatles fan. I was Beatles or Stones. Were you a Beatles or Stones, or both? Uh, no, definitely Beatles first. Yeah. I got into the Stones later, way after punk rock. Yeah, yeah. I always found that Beatles were interesting because. I loved Ringo as a child. I loved Paul as a teenager. I loved John as a 20-something. And then George Harrison came later. Like, do you have your phases in life of what Beatle is right. your favorite Beatle, right? Right. <laughs> I, I just have always been a Pete Best guy. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when he comes back and he's like, uh, when he's trying to do some uh, old, because uh, he did, he, he did some touring and stuff with Pete Best. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, well, I mean, 
so you're coming up for Canadian Music Week. It's Canadian Music Week, right? John Kastner? Yep. Is he still involved? Yep. Yes. He's a yes, yeah, and he manages us as well. Ah, okay. So that's yeah. I, he manages, he still manages Rusty? Does he still manage that band, Rusty? I do not know the answer to that. No, neither do I. I don't know the answer to that, no. <laughs> uh, he's a good man. He is, uh, I mean, I always yeah, loved the Doughboys. Always loved the Doughboys. I was always a big fan. And, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, always thought, I always thought they were great, too. Yeah. That's a band that went through a few bass players, um, you know. A few bass right. players. Yeah, a few bass players. But John, John Bonhead's my favorite bass player. I'm going to go on the record and say Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a risky move. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, I appreciate you, uh, you know, calling from Los Angeles. You're my second Los Angeles conversation today because I'm coming down oh, yeah, that who way. Who else were you talking to? I was coming. My friend Andreas, who um, I'm coming to Disneyland. I'm taking my daughter to Disneyland at the end of May, so I'll be down there. Amazing. The... Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be a father daughter trip, and uh, so in free accommodation. So I, it's cheaper to fly to Los Angeles than it is to go to Florida and do the Disney World. So uh, I'm pretty excited about yeah, it. Yeah, I've been to Disneyland a few times. I've never been to Disney World, but yeah, uh, I like Disneyland a lot, especially the old rides are just so cool, you know. Yeah. No, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, so when is, sorry, when is the Canadian, the show up here at the Phoenix? Yeah, the Phoenix with the Dirty Nil and Single Mothers. It's uh, May 9th. May 9th. Wow, it's not even that far away. No, Amazing. it's not far at all, man. <laughs> <laughs> you excited? Uh, I'm, yeah, I, yeah, I am excited, yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited. Do you have anybody from up here playing on it, or is there everybody coming from elsewhere? Like, is everybody traveling from different parts? Uh, well, most of the band lives in Vancouver. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So most, mostly, I mean, actually I'm going to go to Vancouver first and then, and then we're going to rehearse for a few days and then, and then go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You going to come out to the show? I want to come out to the show. Yeah, definitely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, please. Yeah. It's, uh, the Phoenix is a great place to see a show period. It's yeah. my, one of my favorite venues in, in Toronto. You know, next the sounds to good. It sounds great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's also another club called the Mod Club. Those are my, they're tied for first and second. And, uh, but yeah, I've had lots of great times watching shows at the Phoenix. Um, I saw, what was the last time I was there? I saw the Get Up Kids in the last time I was there. It was a couple of years ago now, though, but, uh, okay. May 9th. Yeah, I've only, I've only been there once when it was the Diamond Club. I saw Psychic TV there. Was that when the, when the stage was like in a different spot? Like, yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. the Diamond Club. Yeah. So let's wrap it up. I appreciate you coming on and doing the show. I, um, you know, I like the history and I like the fact that things sort of come around, and that's that sounds like a very positive thing. It's a, uh, it's a lucky thing, as I said, or a fortunate, or whatever you want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So have a good one, and we'll see you in about a week. Safe travels. Okay. Thank you so much, man. Anytime. Thank you. All right. Take it easy. Okay, bye. bye. And that was Mr. Tom Anselmi of the band Slow. Also of also of copyright. Also of Chuck and the Fucks. That's that's a long time ago though. That's early 80s stuff. Great, uh great, nice little short one. I was actually gonna put two together on this one, but I thought, you know, this one deserves a full episode release kind of thing, you know, because I do have a kind of a time. I like to do them a little longer, but things go where they're gonna go. And uh, Tom's phone died, so we <laughs> Had to stop it early. Thanks, everybody, for going to um, the Amazon uh, uh, affiliate link I have. 
I don't know why I can't speak today. I really don't know why. I've had coffee. Uh, it's in the morning. This episode's coming out as soon as I finish it. So I don't I don't know why I can't talk right now. Uh, you know, marble mouth. Go to appalock.ca slash Amazon or appalock.ca slash US Amazon to shop and support the show. They're direct redirects. So bookmark it and then you can help the show out. Thanks to all my patrons. And brought to you by betterhelp.com slash Apolog. That's that's the link right there. Go to betterhelp.com slash Apolog. Get a seven-day trial with the code word Apolog. Because punk rock is crazy. People in punk rock are crazy. I don't want to say crazy. Crazy is not the right word. That's not a correct word to use. But we're crazy, right? Yeah, okay. We're crazy. We all need a little help. Next week, I have the one of my f- most favorite drummers in Canada. And uh, his name is Paul DeLong, and he's played on so many records. And I was, I met, re-met him on a Rick Emmett show. I was, uh, I came to my venue, and I said, "Hey, man, we've high-fived in so many hallways and backstages areas. Maybe come on my show." And he said, "Sure." And I was very, I'm very honored to have him on next week. And uh, from there, I don't know what else is happening, but I have actually been going for the past five months, really, uh, by the seat of my pants. And the podcast has been kind of like bringing episodes to me. Usually I'm out kind of searching, 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 and then I, I build up like 10 episodes and then I sort of hang out and release them. And then I get to the crunch part and go, oh shit, I don't have any episodes. And then I have to go find episodes. But this is, seems to be a nice flow thing now. So I think this next year is going to be like a flow of people coming to me and me of going to people. And um, I'm not going to do them twice a week, folks, but I, I really, I'm having a good time doing these episodes so far. If I go twice a week, then something really good is happening. Okay, <laughs> that's that's the way she goes. All right, everybody, have a great, great week. We will hope to see you at the May 9th concert. Unfortunately, I can't go. I have a circus at my venue. A circus is coming to town. But go to the Phoenix show. It's a part of Canadian Music Week, and, and that's the slow show. And it's going to be a good time. So, uh, Dirty Nails playing, too. They're awesome, man. Okay, have a good week. Bye.